Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam, and today with me is the one and only Chris with Everybody Fights Rock out of Salem, New Hampshire. Chris, how are you today, man? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. I appreciate you being here and taking your time. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Go ahead and give our listeners a little bit about you, maybe your experiences, what you've done, and how did you come about with this Everybody Fights Rock? Um, sure, yeah. So I've been um, in the business going on 15 years. Um, I started at a, you know, a boxing gym um, in South Boston. Basically, I got into boxing 17 years ago. It was more for um, health. So it was like I was, I was always an athlete um, my whole life, basketball, football. Um, once I stopped playing sports when I got to college, I went to UMass Boston. Um, and, you know, I got a marketing degree from there. But as soon as I stopped playing sports, I blew up to 300 pounds. I, you know, I, I was just, you know, eating really bad food and, you know, doing things I wasn't supposed to. Um, and I said, all right, enough's enough. I walked into a boxing gym and just fell in love with the sport. Um, and, you know, fast forward, you know, a little bit down the line, I, um, you know, left a corporate insurance job um, to become a trainer. Um, so I was doing, so I was basically selling insurance and, you know, learning how to box at the same time. Then the gym owner basically asked me if I wanted to start working there. Um, and then, you know, he took me underneath his wing and, you know, showed me how to become a, you know, boxing coach. Um, and then, you know, I outgrew that location um, once I got there and um, I found Everybody Fights um, with George Foreman III in, uh, in Boston, in the seaport, South Boston. So then from there, um, basically, you know, we, once I got to Everybody Fights um, in the seaport, it was called the club by George Foreman at the time. Um, and we basically, you know, boxing at that time was very, very, um, was the cool thing to do per se, right? Um, you know, everybody wanted to be boxing, um, you know, so everybody fights uh, back in 2013, um, was very, very hot and was getting hotter and hotter. Um, and then George decided to um, start franchising locations. Um, once me and my wife made a decision that this is what we wanted to do, uh, we basically, you know, pulled the trigger and, you know, it was literally a month before COVID, uh, we signed the lease and, you know, the franchise agreement and we were off and running. Off and running. Yeah. Love that, man. Well, kudos and congrats to you, you know, for kind of, you know, identifying things that, you know, you, you know, weren't happy with and, you know, you found a passion and a joy and then ultimately turned into, you know, a bigger passion and joy. So definitely kudos to you on that one. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely, man. <clears throat> so let's kind of talk about, you know, um, we, we spoke previously about, you know, your membership base is right around 250. You know, what's the square footage like on one of these facilities? So each location is different. Um, the main location in, in Boston is 15,000 square feet, um, full amenities. Um, our location is half, oh, you know, a little less than half. It's 6,200 square feet. Um, we have an open gym location uh, area where people can just come and, you know, hit the squat rack, dumbbells, kettlebells, do their own workout. Um, and then we have two classrooms. 
So we have a bags room, which has 22 bags. Everybody gets their own bag. Um, our bag style classes, which is basically, you know, combinations and body weight exercises. Then we have our circuit training room, which you have, you know, battle ropes. We have boxing, we have rowers, treadmills, uh, airdyne bikes, um, resistance bands. So every circuit class is different. So there's a strength base, um, conditioning, cardio, uh, so basically the lineup for the week, um, the, the way we do it is basically everything you need to get ready for a fight is how we do our programming. So, you know, you have your, you know, you have your road work day, you have your, your strength day, you have your, you know, obviously boxing day. Um, so when somebody comes into our facility, what is their goal? Do they just want to learn how to box? Do they just want to get in shape? 90% um, of our, you know, membership is just here to get in shape, um, learn a couple things boxing wise. Um, and then you also have the small percentage that compete. So, you know, we have professional fighters here, we have amateur fighters here, um, but the majority of the member base, um, you know, basically just wants to get in fighting shape without getting punched in the face. Getting punched in the face does not feel too good. Yeah, right, it's, it doesn't. <laughs> no, I did. You know, and, and that's no joke too. Like it's 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 tough, you know, learning, you know, you gotta throw the defense and you know, whether you know you're southpaw or you know, right-handed or or whatever. But um I did a little bit bit of mixed martial arts and had a, a ring or a ring, a match one time, got hit in the face and then did not sit well with me. I was like, dang, like it's it's yeah, it's it's I'm telling you right now, I've I've done martial arts, I've competed, you know, I'm a you know, I'm a junior Olympian in Taekwondo. Um, and you know, going from that to box boxing is the hardest sport. It's the most humbling experience. When you get into that ring, you put your gear on, you actually think the gear is going to protect you and it doesn't, you know, like I, I, I was like, Oh, I'll be able to do this. You know, it's, you know, and it's, it's funny. Cause I always say like, that's why I'm a coach. You know, you, once you walk into those ropes and you see exactly what these fighters have to do day in and day out. Um, it's very humbling, very, very humbling. You don't meet many fighters that are doing it just to do it, right? Most fighters are fighting because that's what that that's their path, right? That's how they make money. That's how they survive. And, you know, those are the skills that, you know, they got in life to provide for their families. So when you, you know, you meet a fighter and you hear their story, usually it's not, I left an insurance company making six figures, and I just decided to jump in the ring and, you know, give it a shot, you know? My good old uh, Michael B. Jordan story there, yeah? Yeah, right, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I've always been a fan of boxing. You know, Rocky growing up, all the all the movies, the creeds. Um, but so you kind of, let's, let's bring it back a little bit. You kind of, in, in a nutshell, answer one of the questions that I wanted to ask. I just want to go back and revisit that to clarify. You know, if somebody were to come to you brand new, not a member, but interested. What's kind of like your elevator pitch as far as every service that you offer, whether you have just a straight open gym membership where they can hit the bags, like you said, squat rack, bicep curls, separate class packages, group class memberships, the whole shebang with everything in one, um, kind of give us through like a, a walkthrough of the services. And then how would you initially consult this person to see if a, they're a good fit or b you're a good fit for them? Yeah, I always start with trying to get to know them and just find out exactly what their, you know, what their goal is. And then from there, I customize because I, I don't give the same tour to everybody when somebody walks in, right? I'm not going to show them strength if they just want to box, right? 
I'll right. give them a tour of the whole facility. Um, and then based off of their goal, I'll dive into what we could do for them. Um, you know, so if they're, you know, if a lot of people, we have a lot of people that come here not to box um, because we, our coach, our staff is so well-versed in strength and conditioning and nutrition that we have a lot of people that don't even put gloves on. And that's the biggest hurdle we face is that we're not just a boxing gym, right? Um, we are a strength and conditioning facility as well. And we have coaches that know what they're doing. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I, we're, we're a no contract gym. It's month to month, um, you know, all inclusive membership that covers, you know, classes and open gym, or they could just come and do open gym and work out on their own. Um, but I give them all the options that we offer. So all inclusive membership, open gym membership, or if they just want to do class packs, um, if they only come once or twice a week, I always uh, tell them class packs is probably their best bet. But if they're going to come, you know, three, four, or, you know, every day, then I always try to steer them towards the all-inclusive package. Rightfully so. Yep. Now, the open gym, just to clarify, is that, you know, kind of like a full, like, if you were to walk in, like, a regular gym has, like, your squat racks, your barbell racks, your, your back machines, your chest press machines, is that all kind of like that? Or is it more, like, particularized equipment? It's free. We have all free weights. So we have barbell, dumbbell, kettlebell, trap bars. Um, so it's every free weight that you can, that you need landmines. Um, you know, we don't have any like Smith machines or any, you know, leg press machines, you know, so like I leave that to like, you know, the platinum fitnesses of the world yeah. or, you know, so I'm, we basically have every piece of free weight equipment that you would need, you know, that a fighter would need to get in shape. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, you know, let's dive into, you know, leads. What is the current way that somebody comes into your facility? Like how do, how, how do you bring them in? So a lot is word of mouth, um, you know, because our facility is mostly has only been opened up in like major cities. Right. So young professionals, um, we're the first suburb location in Salem, New Hampshire. So we're very intimidating to somebody that doesn't know us. Um, so a lot of word of mouth, uh, first class is always free. Um, if somebody needs more, I always give them multiple classes. If they don't, if they want to try a strength class or, you know, it's a lot of no pressure sales. Like we just, the product sells itself. Once you try the classes, it's, it's, a, you'll know if it's a fit for you. Right. Um, so a lot of word of mouth, a lot of social media, um, you know, we've tried, you know, like the, the mailers never worked. Um, a lot of those big marketing, um, companies, you know, we've tried them, they didn't work, but every, the only thing that's worked is literally our membership because it's a community. Um, our, our members are, you know, our family, right? We know everybody by name. It's, they come every day. It's, it's, we, know, we it's not just, you know, you say hi and then it's bye. It's, you know, we're, we're a different type of gym in the sense of, you know, when they bring friends, if they feel welcomed, they're going to join. If they feel like it's too much, then, you know, they obviously don't join. But, you know, we, that's why we don't have a, a contract in place because I never want to trap anybody, right? If you're, you're going to be here, you're going to be here, right? It's always leaves a bad taste in somebody's mouth if they can't get out of something, right? So many times somebody canceled because they moved away and then they moved back and they rejoined, right? Um, because I didn't give them, you know, crap on canceling, right? It's a 30 day notice. 
no, you know, none of the, you know, I don't want to talk trash about big gyms, but it's like, you got to message this person and you got to mail this in and then it takes 60 days and then they get charged five more times and then there's a cancellation fee, right? It's, yeah. you want to go, you go, right? I want the member that's going to be here for, like I was a member, right? I was a member three years before I became a trainer, right? And it was just month to month and I wanted to be there. So it was like, that's, those are the members that we want are the people that are actually going to utilize the membership. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and kudos because a lot of people don't like being really pressured into things because they're just maybe not that type of person. They want to feel at ease as they're coming in and going and things like that. So, <clears throat> yeah, no, at, at the end of the day, we want to sell memberships. We want to sell private training, but, you know, forcing people or, you know, getting them stuck in a situation, you know, is not good for anybody, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, and you, you touched, touched on some other things that I want to dive into here in a moment, but, you know, let's kind of revisit goals. You know, obviously, you know, you want to grow base, you want to open up multiple locations. What's kind of like in the works right now, as far as like getting, you know, those short-term goals underway, like what, what's the main focus for you? So the main focus is, like you said, is foot traffic, right? Our retention is very good and our, you know, um, the thing is, is that we're on a main road in Salem, New Hampshire, but it's not like there's no foot traffic, right? Mm -hmm. So just trying to get more people in the door um, in trying our classes is the number one goal. Because like I said, once they try our classes, I know they're going to join. Um, you know, so each month our goal is, you know, 10 to 15 new members. And I know I need at least 30 or 40 people to come through the door to get that. Um, you know, we're anywhere from 20 to 30%, you know, when somebody tries a class, it's literally, you know, it's, it's 30 to 40%, you know, on closing them. Um, so I know that I need that amount of foot traffic to get to where I need to get to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's basic, you know, that, you know, you know, good point. It's almost like you got to double the shows to get the actual joints and yes, you know, being in, you know, almost you know, several different kinds of fitness things. It's, it's almost a similar concept across, you know, pretty much any platform if you were to really think about it. So absolutely. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Chris, so kind of wa walk me back. Let's go a year ago today, like a year ago, February, what was your membership base? You know, what things were you doing back then? So we were, so we, like I said before, we signed our, our lease a month before COVID. So it was a very different animal. Yeah. Um, we were supposed to open the doors with what we have right now. So, you know, we opened the doors with, I think, 10 members. Um, and we were supposed to open up with closer to 200 members. Yeah. So, you know, where, you know, obviously we're not where we're supposed to be right now, but we survived, you know, we, we, we survived that those last two years. So this is our real year one is right now is, is this year. This is our, our first year one. You know, the previous two years, we were basically handcuffed to what we could do. Um, you know, thank God I was in New Hampshire, because if I was in Massachusetts, I would have definitely never made it because the restrictions were less um, in New Hampshire. So I could, you know, keep the doors open. I never had to shut the doors. The only thing that COVID affected me on, obviously, memberships, but um, was the um was basically, you know, um, the restrictions of masks, who has to wear a mask, they weren't mandatory. 
Um, you know, and we were, we were supposed to open up April, 2020. We ended up opening up July, 2020. So it wasn't that far off, but mm -hmm. you know, obviously everybody was scared to leave their home. Um, you know, and all those members that we had back then are still members now, which, you know, speaks to the brand, you know? Yeah. You know, kudos because people that, you know, stay in the beginning, you know, and they're here now says a lot about, you know, what the facility is, what it stands for. Yeah. I always tell everybody like opening up a gym is very easy. It's finding the trainers and the crew that's inside the gym. Right. So if I have a, you know, obviously we have a high class, um, you know, it's a high class boxing gym, towel service, full amenities, three showers. But if this gym was full of dud trainers, right, nobody's going to come. Right. So mm -hmm. I learned a long time ago that it doesn't matter. You know, obviously the facility matters to a certain extent, but you know, I was part of a gym that had nothing that the classes were full because all the trainers were great. Right. So it's like those relationships that you build and you know, you actually, the people that work here actually care, you know, it's like to be in this business, people always ask like, what is the number one thing to be a trainer? You actually have to care. You have to give it, oh, pardon my French, give a shit. You have to care about the members and their goals. And if you are getting into training for the money, good luck, because it's it's not coming for a while. 100%, it's, you gotta care for the people first, then right. everything will fall behind. <clears throat> yep. Good as man. Um, so membership base, like you said, uh, you know, this is this is the real year one. What kind of growth have you experienced? You know, like were you at a hundred members last February, like one fifty, like ten? Um, yeah. You opened July twenty twenty, so it's been just about three years now. Yeah. So we so last year we were probably around one, say one eighteen, um, and now we're around two fifty. Um, so yeah. So the growth has been um, going in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I, at this point, you know, looking back at our projections, we were supposed to be closer to 350, closer to four. Um, you know, the goal for our location to open up another location is 500 members. So we're halfway there. Yep. Um, once we get closer to 500, then we can start looking for, you know, another location. Now, is that like quote unquote obviously we talked about you know covid and you know the franchiser and stuff like that is that more of a a franchiser kind of like set point where hey like all locations must get to this point or close to this point before going on to the next or is that just something you've set in your own mind where like hey i want to get to this number first before i can confidently go in look for this yeah number. that's that's my goal um so yeah so like the you know uh, everybody fights corporate they, you know, they have certain guidelines that you need to follow, um, but based, it's, it's based, every franchisee in every location, number one is built different, right? So there's 3,000 square foot, everybody fights locations, there's 15,000 square foot facilities, um, you know, so every location is a different, you know, is a different animal, right? So we, you know, we basically, my, like, based off of, you know, our numbers and what we have in the bank, that's the goal that we set forth um to get to the next location yeah no that's obviously a great goal because you'll have the base or hopefully the you know, revenue to 
you know, withstand taking into that second without cutting too much into the first and everything behind the scenes. Right. With your current process, you know, how many leads, you know, on average, would you say like new people coming to you from word of mouth or you mentioned, you know, I think we're on the same page, like more organic social posts, things like that. Um, you know, what's like the lead flow coming into the facility on like a weekly basis or a monthly basis? Yeah, we range anywhere from say three to five new faces a week. Got it. Three to five new faces a week. <clears throat> and then of those three to five a week, you know, what's the closing look like? Are you closing three out of the five, four out of the five, two out of the three? Yeah, we're, ad- we're averaging anywhere from two to three out of the five that, you know, buy a product. So when they take their first class, they either bought a class pack or they they joined. Got it. And then I'm assuming with, you know, the different options you guys have, there's like an EFT membership base where they'll go on like an auto draft. So that way, you know, it just comes out every month. And I, again, obviously they cancel a 30 day notice. Right. Yep. Got it. Wonderful. <clears throat> So sounds like you're doing the things, man, you know, organic posts, word of mouth, you, you touched on a little bit, you know, you've worked with marketing agencies in the past and just didn't really get, you know, exactly what that was uh, to help me and our audience understand just a little bit more. Was it mainly, you just weren't getting as many leads as you wanted? Was it, you know, the, the quality of the leads wasn't as good, you know, kind of walk us through that just a little bit, if you don't mind. So, yeah, it was more, you know, everybody comes in trying to sell their products and, you know, everybody says they can do A, B, and C, and then they don't do it. So I'm like, you know, I'm a man of, you know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Um, And if I don't see it, I'm not going to continue. Right. So if you tell me, if I tell you, you know, um, you know, within six weeks, if you do everything I said, you're going to do, you're going to lose 5% body fat, gain 3% muscle, whatever. And I don't do what I said I was going to do. Then you know, I'm going to, you know, show some type of proof of why that didn't happen. You weren't eating right. You weren't whatever. I'm going to have facts, right? Yeah. A lot of these companies don't have facts. Um, why didn't I get 20 leads when you said I was going to get 20 leads? And it's like, yeah, it could just be, you know, the product. It could be this, it could be that. So I ran into a lot of, you know, I'm a big relationship guy, right? I like to build a relationship with somebody. Um, and if you do, you know, what you say you're going to do, we're good. So as soon as I see a red flag, I'm done. I'm out. I'm pulling the, I'm pulling the trigger. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the number one thing is the organic growth is what worked and what has worked for us in the past. You know, I've been in the industry 15 years and every gym I've been a part of um, it's been organic, right. It's been, you know, friends talking about it, bringing in family members. You know, I want mom, dad, and your son, right. I want everybody to come together um, I want to get as many, and especially in the suburbs, it's different because we're getting families. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, that's the, the biggest hurdle is, you know, getting everybody in to try it at first. And um, yeah, I actually just reminded myself that that's why we started a kids program, right? Because we're a suburb location. Um, we partnered with the Boys and Girls Club here in Salem, New Hampshire. Uh, Marco, Marco Brayu, who's the CEO, amazing guy. Uh, we actually set up a kids program um, through the Boys and Girls Club. They bring kids here during the day and we train them. So it's like these little things that click in your head that it's like, all right, we can't get 
everybody in the door yet. What else can we do? So it's like, we've never done a kids program at any other location. So let's try that because we're in the suburbs. So that's just started this past year and it's been great. Um, so, you know, that's another way of trying to get the kids in. Hopefully I can get their parents in the door as well, right? They've never been here before. They're bringing their kids in to train. Um, the classes are 18 plus, so it's more of an adult based gym. Um, but that's why I decided to start, you know, doing the kids program. Huge, man. Huge. Awesome. The, the kid community, you know, they need, they need help and support just as much as, you know, the adults, especially with, we'll say the obesity pandemic going on in the world. And, you know, obviously you can attest to, you know, your, your own, when you were going through, um, post-college and, and things like that, you know, it's, they have the place 60 for NFL. And, you know, I think the focus for the kids is huge because it's going to give them other avenues of outlet to be able to express that energy and, you know, give some type of motivation versus, you know, just the typical, like, Oh, let's go run and play and do this and this. Right. And it's, it's crazy. You bring up the obesity thing. The other thing is the bullying, right? Yes. Like all these, all these, all these kids that come in here, it breaks my heart. It's like, it's either one or the other. It's either they're being bullied or they they have a food problem and they you know can't control their weight for whatever reason. And you know, looking back at my childhood, I'm 41, and it's like you know that wasn't part of our childhood growing up, right? It wasn't. There wasn't social media to the you know there was AOL Messenger and that was it, right? Um, it's like what these kids have to deal with now. It's like they need more help, right? They need it, and it's it's like getting to know these kids. It like opens up my eyes. I'm like, wow, damn. It's like they're it's a different time, you know, it's a different time for these kids. And it's like, these are the kids, like when they say, you know, that phrase kids are the future, it's true. Right. So if you're, you know, you're being bullied and whatever, and you know, you know, um, you know, suicide rates are on the rise and it's, it's crazy to, for me to like think that a kid is put into that situation, you know, hundred percent agree. Could have said it better myself. I think with that bullying, it's, it happened to me, you know, when I, when I was a kid, I got pushed down, said, called names and all the, all the things and a handful of other people, right? How are you going to teach that kid the right motive or the right thought process to not a retaliate, but b retaliate in a way that's not physical versus they're retaliating in their own mind. Yeah. I got knocked down. Cool that person needs more help than I do, or, you know, some type of positive affirmation where it's like, I'm not going to choose violence, but I'm going to choose this because it's right for me. And instead of mom, they did this, they did this and having somebody else take care of it for you versus giving them, like you said, the power, the tools, the knowledge to be able to stand up and have that quote unquote thicker skin to, to carry on life and know that our times are going to be on their way, but I'm instilled with the right properties to be able to handle those. Yes. Um, you said it. That's me. The way you just said is exactly what I was thinking. Um, we tell every kid that comes in here, we, we always tell them, listen, what we teach you here is not to be used for, the, for violence, right? Self-defense and violence are two different things, right? Mm -hmm. They get the confidence from being, knowing that they can defend themselves, right? Most fighters that know how to fight don't want to fight in the street, right? They, they don't want to, you know, they know they can do whatever they got to do to defend themselves if need be, but a true fighter does not want that. So using their words to get out of it 
is number one. Um, and these kids that are being bullied, they're getting confidence from boxing, from learning how to self-defend themselves. Um, and it translates into their life and their everyday things, right? So me, I was in the same situation. That's why I got into martial arts, picked on, bullied, whatever, right? As soon as I got that confidence, knowing that I can defend myself, I just laughed it off, right, as a kid. I'm just like, I know in my head, I can knock you out right now. Like, I already know that, but I'm not going to, right? right. Because it's not right. And like you said, whatever that person said, that's their problem. The reason why they're bullying is because they have issues at home. So it's knowing, like giving these kids the facts and the ammunition mentally is what's going to help them, you know, down the line. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. <clears throat> kids need help. And, you know, they're there. You're there to to give them that outlet and better for it. So, yeah, it's just it's just knowledge, you know, that they don't have, you know, and it's like if I can give it to them, because the thing is, is that nobody listens to their parents, right? They'll listen that's to coach. Exactly where I was gonna go with that, right? Nobody listens to their parents, but they'll listen to coach, right? So many times, hey, um, you know, my my son really respects you. Can you do this for me? No problem. Tell me, I'll tell your son, right? In my way, right? right. Or your daughter, whatever the case is. Um, so most times, you know, like it's, it's, I, I've done it myself growing up, you know, my mom and my dad said X, Y, Z, you know, my coach came and found me. I respect my coach and, you know, I'm going to listen to my coach before I listen to my parents, even though that sounds, you know, not right, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I would always take things from my coach and mentors rather than my own parents not all the time. Obviously, we still listen to our parents, you know, fathers, moms, things right. like that. But sometimes it'll click, make more sense coming from something that you're passionate about that you're trying to learn, whether it's football or boxing or martial arts. So, right. Awesome, man. Well, with that being said, I got a couple last things here for you. You know, you, you talked about goals, you talked about, you know, things you're doing, all the things, the posting, the things like that. For somebody else out there that wants to, go on to their own fitness entrepreneurship, you know, whether it's a boxing gym, whether it's football, whether it's a sports academy, what words of advice would you give somebody that wants to go off and start their own thing in the fitness industry? Uh, don't do it alone. Make sure you have a solid team behind you because you cannot do it by yourself. You know, you cannot, like, I'm very blessed to have a great team behind me. Um, you know, my, you know, my wife working next to me, um, you know, she runs back house. I run front of the house. Just make sure you have a solid crew behind you, um, you know, that you that can back you up while you're, you know, trying to get to that goal. Love it, man. And then last thing here, I always love to open this up to, you know, gym owners uh, day in and day out. You know, how can somebody that's listening to our podcast right now reach out to your facility, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's a website? How can they reach you and check you out? Yeah, so they can reach us at Everybody Fights Rock on um, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you know, they can go direct to my personal um, Instagram or Facebook at uh, Christopher underscore DeVega. Um, and that's the same on Facebook and Instagram. And then our website, um, everybodyfightsrock.com. Uh, they can find us there on our website. All our contact information is there. And um, yeah, social media is probably the best way to get in touch with us. 
Awesome, Chris. Well, appreciate everything today. All the, you know, the ins and the outs and the struggles and the opportunities and things like that. And obviously giving a shout out to be able to share your gym with us. Um, so for everybody out there, go check out his gym. A lot of cool things. You've got kiddos, definitely come check it out. Uh, and then most importantly, if anybody out there is listening and you want to come on the show, if this inspired you to want to, you know, share your story, share your facility, what you're doing, click on the link below, type in your info. We'll be in touch and we'll get you on and we'll have a conversation about it. Until then, y'all, that's been another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily. And joining us on the show, we have Kelly, Christine, and Adriana out of CKO Kickboxing in Brooklyn, New York. What's going on, ladies? How are y'all doing today? Hi, Em. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So before we dive into talking about the business side of things, if y'all could really quickly, like 30 seconds or less, just give us a quick introduction of who you are and how you got into the industry. And we'll go in alphabetical order like we did the last time. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We can't hear you. Hmm. Okay, Kelly, let's go to you. Um, okay. Michael back. My name is Kelly Chiasano, and I live in Brooklyn, New York. I have co-owned CKO Brooklyn for uh, 10 years, coming up on 10 years in April. I first got into kickboxing um, right after I had my daughter. I wanted to do something to challenge my body and get me strong and feel confident. So I started taking kickboxing classes down the street and um, later bought the gym. All righty. Christine. Hi, uh, I'm Christine Semnetsky. I, like Kel mentioned, co-owner of CKO Kickboxing Downtown Brooklyn for almost 10 years. Uh, I have a background where my full-time job is in public accounting and uh, kickboxing is my passion. I started kickboxing um, because I had a really shitty boyfriend who mm-hmm. cheated on me and I wanted to, to beat him up. So I went and beat up a heavy bag. So that's how that's how I started boxing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a great 10 years as a small business owner, a female small business. Yeah. All right, Adriana, how are we, how are we looking over there? Hey, I'm Adriana Zito. And um, I'm also co-owner of our two locations in CKO Kickboxing, downtown Brooklyn. I started kickboxing through Christine. She introduced me to my first class and I was hooked ever since. It was really expensive at the time, but it was so worth it. The benefits were amazing and it was very, very addicting. I started teaching later on in one of our locations and never looked back. All right, ladies. Well, thank you for sharing. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Um, The first question 
that I have for you is kind of based off of a story that Christine was telling pre-interview. Um, there are obviously three of you guys, very lovely, different personalities. So first question would be like, how do you work? Like, what do you think like the best way is to work together well, even through any conflict that you guys may have had over the course of 10 years, which is a, which is a long time? Oof. <laughs> I think that um, for us, what works and what has to work when you're three female business owners is you have to be able to separate the work and your personal life. It can't carry over or it will continue to go on and on. And also another huge thing is um, you have to agree to disagree sometimes and just back down and the other person's right. And because there's three of us, it's usually a two to three vote, a two against one vote. So that works for us. Okay. But conflict is is hard. You have to work that out. You have to work through that and set boundaries. Yeah, boundaries definitely important. Um, Christine, I think you were in the middle of saying something too. No, I think Kel summed it up real nice. Uh, you know, it's it's sometimes owning a business with strangers is good, right? Because there's no personal. Uh, sometimes owning a business with best friends is is great because there's so much personal. And the, like Hel mentioned, you know, there's going to be times where we're so strong in our views on certain things, uh, but two two versus one is is always a good deal breaker or tiebreaker. Uh, and at some point, you know, I think even in the toughest of times when things are great everything's great right when you when you're making money and there's no pandemic everything's great and then when things are bad you know you kind of have unfortunately it's easy to to argue with the people you love the most right mm -hmm. uh but at a certain time you have to say you know you just let let that shit roll off your shoulder and you know pick and choose your battles i guess yeah adrian did you have anything to add to that yeah, I was going to say, I think another thing that we are good at is trusting our backgrounds. Like we each have different backgrounds pre prior to the gyms. So for example, Christine's finance background is where she really excels at one of the things where she can guide us in the financial world of the gyms. So while we talk about everything equally, we kind of lean on each other on our you know for our strengths so that's really helpful and then we have a weekly status meeting where we talk through issues uh, ideas scheduling concerns and things like that so that's really helpful too yeah all right well thank you for sharing so next question is going to be around the big topic of marketing um god been doing this for a very long time so i'm sure you've gotten to see the fitness industry evolve um and change over the past 10 years so my first question to anybody whoever wants to answer first is so you guys what did you guys start from like zero members did you have to build from zero or did you start with like a, a small base of people carol gardens started with a small base because it was already operating mm -hmm. and we those people moved to california so we stepped in and bought that gym park slope which started with a bang was literally just the three of us okay okay and just walking around the neighborhood and handing out flyers and sta standing outside with the part like a table a pop-up table handing out like flyers and putting balloons out and just 
telling people we're here, come check us out. And that gym, like I mentioned before, just took off. It was the perfect, it was the perfect storm, like the perfect location. It was the perfect time. It was just amazing. So I think us because when we were pre-sailing that gym, we were able to, which we were real fortunate to say in, in, you know, we weren't going to be open with construction and stuff. It wasn't that long, but in the few months that we were pre-sailing, we had the other location to say, you know, we're real, come check us out. Like this team over in Carroll Gardens will be coming to this location. And we, I think we opened the doors before we opened the doors at a hundred members. I think we had pre-sailed over a hundred members before the doors had opened. I guess it was hard to walk past us at, on the street, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys went from zero to what? What did you manage to work up to? At the high point, we worked up to five hundred and fifty members. That was before the pandemic. Okay, so yeah, that's kind of like. So when did you, or what do you feel like was the catalyst to like the growth? Was it like slow at first and was there something that led to like exponential growth or was it like kind of consistent and steady? You know, our accountant, I, I'll never forget the first year we did our taxes for Park Slope for the, the gym that was originally on Flatbush. She said, this is a phenomenon. Like I've never seen this in my life. Um, you know, anything from zero to, to anything is, is growth, right? But she, I think the numbers, she just was blown away by what we did in, in one year as a new company. Um, and it's hard to keep up with that growth because you can't always grow at, at that from zero, you know? So I think it, it was attributed to many things. Our location was phenomenal, right? It was the busiest street, one of the busiest streets in Brooklyn. Um, so that, that was definitely one of them. And I think, you know, we have, we had great, trainers at that location we were great small business owners we were there all the time when we opened up that spot you know we were con we were so excited to be there so the advertising um then that agent kel chime in but we were spoiled where we didn't have to think it was word of mouth like we were just exploding in flatbush or over on flatbush avenue um Agent Kel, right? I mean, I, I think that's, that was, we were so lucky. Yeah, the class sold themselves, I think. Okay. I'm laughing because we would go to STK and like literally pop bottles and be like, what is happening? Like we just, we just were so lucky. We were like over the moon. It was crazy. And Emily, yeah, to put it into perspective, I mean, we, we weren't, for us, it was like, as new business owners, you know, we were just, we were able to leave a full-time job and be a small business owner year one. And that's just something that I think isn't the norm um, to kick off and just kill it in, in, in one year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with that. Um, so outside of the word of mouth, like what else do you think it was? We so, worked that neighborhood. Oh, sorry, go ahead, H. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna say like, we were up and down the streets, handing out flyers, meeting people. We were at the firehouses. We were at the local apartment buildings. We were at the condos. We were dropping off 
everywhere we could. We were making deals with vitamin shop um, to give like a discount of people, whatever. I mean, we were at the nail salons dropping it off, wherever the liquor stores, wherever we could, we were there with flyers. We were handing them out. We were letting people know like we're here and our gym's awesome come check it out. Yeah, we were even in delivery bags. We were, our flyers were in, out for delivery with uh, local restaurants and food places. Um, obviously, we also had social media, which was, uh, you know, really growing at the time. So that was really helpful for us and email blasts and different challenges and things that we set up. Yeah, we were. You know, uh, Emily, there's campaigns that you run through your, your POS, right? So if anybody checked you out on the website, you get a note. And then um, that's my bell ring. But that, but, you know, obviously we went through all the, the normal advertising, what you're told to do. So we have campaigns that blast it out. We offered, uh, you know, a week of kickboxing or, or I think at the time back then it was like three classes for 30 bucks. So special deals, you know, came with gloves. And we still offer that, you know, instead of, I think we've upgraded to a week. Um, and then we just did a lot of socials to, to show that this is more than just the place that you're going to sweat. It's a community that you're going to build, right? So like, I think even restaurants seeing all of these people that we brought in for a happy hour, we're like, what is this place? So as I wish we had all this money to like dump into advertising. I think that's the struggle with small businesses. And, you know, if we're, if you're not like an Equinox, like it's tough to, to get out there and spend money in advertising. So I do think if you're, if as for people to actually see like th this person exists, I'm not just talking behind the screen to a stranger. Like I know age Callan Crest. I, you know, I have the owner's phone number. I think that's, you know, that's kind of cool to some of these guys. So our advertising, I wish we had, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars to dump in and, and do what other big companies do, but it's hard. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, who was, go ahead, whoever's speaking. I was just going to say, and I think that we found through the years because we have invested in different mediums such as Facebook ads, paid ads, and different agencies that we've hired, we found that our organic methods and our guerrilla marketing have really worked for us. And I think it's because we're a small business in very um, residential and also working neighborhoods. So that's been really, I think, on our side. Kelly, did you have anything to add? No, I was just agreeing. Okay. So if y'all had to start over, knowing what you know now to go from zero to 500, um, is there anything that you feel like you would change about marketing or, you know, even the way that you were running your business at the time? I'll, I'll start by saying, I think in a way we are in that place, not at zero, but we were in a rebuilding phase after the pandemic. And as Kelly mentioned, uh, between the moves and just how different life is now for a lot of people. So I think what we are good at is coming up with new ideas involving the community. We do a lot of charities. We just try to be more than just an exercise facility. 
I don't know how, what we would change. Um, it's hard because it was such a different lifestyle then mm. than it is now. What do you mean? A by lot that? of people were scared. Well, a lot of people were really scared to come back to the gym after the pandemic. They were worried about their health, or they had people close to them that were maybe compromised and stuff. So it's it's kind of different and hard to say for me. Also, a lot of people um, <clears throat> aren't commuting to work anymore, and especially the Park Slope location is two blocks away from the biggest transit hub in Brooklyn. So it was like a destination on your way home or on your way to work, or we had lunchbox classes, so you could dip into those. But with people not commuting anymore, they're just like not likely to leave their little radius. And so we've lost, and a lot of people moved out of state when the pandemic happened. So that was kind of crushing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I would change. I mean, I think we we did a, a great job in the in the five years before, you know, I changed COVID, right? Like I changed a pandemic, obviously. It took it was horrifying and completely destroyed so many people's lives. Um, but as far as what what we as as first-time business owners, small business owners did when we first started, I don't think we could have done it better, Emily. I think you know, we're now, as I'm sure most people that you're interviewing, like it's just a different, the gym is a, di or the, the fitness world is a different industry. You you have these machines that you could buy in your home and do your workout alone. Uh, I think the world needs to remember like the community, you're not going to build that community by yourself at home, right? Like shout out to all the, the virtual platforms that are killing it, but it being in person, you know, after the pandemic, it's going to take a while to rebuild that trust that, you know, this is a safe space. Like we've got this. It's a, it's a safe space for you to come back to. But I wouldn't change anything from how we started. No, I would say maybe one less STK dinner. So we had more savings. <laughs> but then I'm like, no, those were worth it. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff, lazy stuff. So let's talk a little bit about like client retention. Um, am I breaking up at all? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, you froze for a second, but you're fine. Okay. So do you know like the average length of time that a client will stay with you all? Um, so do you guys want me to, to go on this one? I don't know if Oh, we lost Emily. I'm still here. Oh, okay. Um, so I would say the average, you know, we offer a few different membership deals, but uh, for the most part, I mean, we're getting a good, we've had some members that have been here since 2014 uh, still, right? So, we, so we've got good retention rates. Um, I would say at, 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 at least 18 months like an average of, of 18 months, but we also have tremendous success with boomerangs, right? Like Brooklyn, Brooklyn is a, they come and they go, right? People moved out of Brooklyn, they went upstate and now they're coming back. And I think our, maybe we'll call it a boomerang rate. It has been really great. Like we've got a lot of members that have left to try something different and then have always come back. So. 
So you say, boom, what do you mean by boomer? So for members who have like maybe resigned their membership and left our gym, months or years later have come back to the gym. So I, I guess I refer to that as a boomerang. Came back. Yeah. I mean, the term definitely makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we'll talk a little bit about the future uh, of CKO. Well, actually, let me ask you, like, so CKO Kickboxing is a franchise, right? Mm-hmm. What type of support do you receive from them in terms of just helping with the overall growth of them? They uh, they hold weekly meetings. They have a designer on staff to help us with any like templates, email templates, and social media um, initiatives. They are not too hands on where we have uh, like a little flexibility, which is nice. Um, I think we wish there was a little bit more marketing support. Um, just because financially, like we mentioned earlier, it's a little bit tough to do it at our scale. So. You broke up. Just. Sorry, you're breaking up for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everyone's breaking up. Guys, let's try going camera off because sometimes that helps with the reception. I don't know how to turn it off now, Emily. Now you're asking. Is that better? Let me see. I'm not, I might be able to do it. Hold on. Christine. I can put my background, but. There we go. All right. Can y'all hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's so much better. All right. So, Adrian, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that one more time? That last finish. Sure, about the franchise. I was just saying yeah. that um, we have a lot of flexibility. They do um, what they all they do help with a designer on staff for us to access whenever we need them. They hold weekly meetings and they introduce like different initiatives and ideas. I think we wish there was a little bit more marketing on their end, just because we're at our at our small scale, like we mentioned earlier, it's a little bit expensive. Um, so that is kind of a little bit missing, but we do like the flexibility that we get. Gotcha. Good, good, good. So let's transition to talking a little bit about what the future looks like for CKO kickboxing um, in Brooklyn. Where do you... What's your vision for the gym over the next year? Two, let's say two to three years. I think we want all our loans paid off and we want our memberships to go up and to just keep keep changing lives like, like Christine said. Uh-oh. Hello? We, I hear you, Em. Okay, good. So last thing I heard, Adriana, was she said, keep changing lives, like Christine said. It was that last thing? Yeah, keep changing lives, 
be debt free and keep growing. Nice. Okay. Christina, <laughs> Kelly, you have anything to add? I want to. Keep- I, we definitely would love COVID relief, but for me, at the end of the day, I mean, and I'm I'm so um, I'm definitely a pain in the neck when it comes to money and like we can't spend this and we've got all these loans, but you know, and at the end of the day, when I think about, yes, I think the most important thing is to to get into the neighborhood and show not even just the neighborhood, like wherever the outreach can be. Uh, to have people come in and and try a class with us and experience our community, because you know that that's more that to me will make you richer than like yeah I mean we have loans I'd love to pay them off but to Adriana's point like I I hope that we can grow this business with members so that they can experience what this facility is like what both of our facilities are like yeah very well said I love that Kelly did you have anything to add on. I was just saying, I just want to continue having fun being an owner and making it like a welcoming place. I just want to keep that momentum. I don't think we'll lose it. It's been 10 years of, um, of it. And I just, I, I love what I do and I love going to the gym and I, I don't know. I just want to keep growing the community. Yeah. So what about for like outside of the gym? Like, where do you see do you want your roles to change as owners eventually? Um, how do you want that to look? What do you want? What do you guys want that to look like? Well, um, I'll tell you that if if I can still kick people's asses at fifty five, jumping around the gym, I'll be there. However, 55, 55 <laughs> you're fifty five years old. No, I'm saying oh. you know, no, 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 no. We're all, we're all actually um, nineteen eighty two babies, so we're all. Okay in the year of 41, but, okay. you know, I think realistically, yes, we will be physically there, at least, you know, I'll speak for myself, I'll let Agent Kel speak for themselves, um, but at some point, you know, you got to be realistic and say uh, there could come a time when this is an investment and you find people to to be there in your absence. Um, you know, you never know what, what life is going to bring, uh, but I, yeah. for one, will, will be there at the gym for for as long as as it'll have me i guess yeah <laughs> um kelly or adriana no i agree as long as we can be there i mean eventually would it be nice not to work the just to show up and teach classes and to take classes and to mingle with everybody instead of like having to be at the front desk or tied to the desk that would be a nice goal to have, but so, I mean, we're, even when I'm not working where I'm at the gym and I'm talking to people where I'm taking, I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, no, it, the flexibility is great. The gym is great. As long as we can keep throwing that roundhouse kick and those punches, I guess we'll just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Well said ladies. I'll back that. <laughs> All right, y'all. It's almost time for us to wrap things up on this episode, but I have a question for each of you. Same question. Um, if you could go back 10, and I like these questions, obviously, 10 years ago, right from the very beginning, um, give yourself a piece of advice that you needed to hear prior to starting out on your journey. Let's go in alphabetical order. Uh. <laughs> 
this is when it's not good to be an egg. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, maybe this, just, you know, have patience and know that your hard work will pay off. Okay. Well said. Wow, that is good. I was going to say it's, it's not always going to be easy, but just keep going. Wow, you guys are coming up with, with lines. <laughs> um, I, guess, I guess mine is going to be you got to roll with the punches and you don't know what, what's going to be thrown at you. Em. I mean, who knew we would go through a pandemic? And you just have to be able to pivot, right? I'm going to throw all the boxing terms I know at this question, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you just have to pivot and you got to figure it out. And you have to trust the people that you're figuring it out with. Boom. All right, y'all. This is a really good place for us to wrap things up. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. You can find us on Instagram at CKO Park Slope or CKO underscore Carol Gardens. We also have a website, CKOParkSlope.com or Carol Gardens, CKO.com. Right, sorry, and our, lo our locations are 562 Court Street in downtown Brooklyn and 333 Skimmelhorn. All right, y'all. Thank you, ladies. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to continue to accomplish down the road. So to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if y'all want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lors out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, we have Mr. Jeremy Mutchler of Raw Strength coming to us from Kalamazoo in Michigan. Jeremy, what's going on, sir? How are you today? Oh, I'm good. How about you? I am doing very, very well. I'm, I'm excited to get into this and, and pick your brain on the inner workings of raw strength as a business. For the people listening here, Jeremy, who, who don't know you or aren't familiar with the raw strength brand, 
give us a little bit of a background on all of this before we get into the business conversation. Talk to us mm -hmm. about what raw strength is in your own words. Um, raw strength is a place where uh, I would want to go and work out. It's, I mean, I'm a weird guy. So we have a bunch of like nerds and geeks and everyone that usually didn't fit in in life because a lot of powerlifters and strongman just, they were usually the oddballs out. So it's a place where everyone can come, uh, not be judged, do what they need to do um, and have fun. It's a, I try to make it a place where you want to come and yeah. actually want to stay. I have people that if they need a place to come do homework, they come here and do homework. If they need a place just to chill for a little bit, they come and chill. Like it's a place where you want to be, not a place where you have to be. Got it. Okay. And I, I hear often on this show of how these businesses came to be is that I was looking for this as a client, couldn't quite find it. And so I decided to create it myself. It sounds like for you, you mentioned this is where I would want to train if I was mm -hmm. looking for a gym. Tell me a little bit about how all of this came to be. The, the stories of how gyms get started usually provide a lot of context into how things look now and where they're going. And so for you, take us back to the day that the idea popped into your head, I'm gonna open up my own gym. What was going on and how did all this come to be? Oh, well, um, I knew I wanted my own gym uh, way back in college. Uh, it was a dream back then. Um, and I got my bachelor's in athletic training and I couldn't find a job in athletic training. So I worked in a food service at a hospital. And from there, I actually got a job. I knew somebody and got a job in personal training at on Anytime Fitness. And from there, like I learned a lot. I, I found out I loved what I doing. I was doing. Um, and I was working there while getting my master's degree in rehabilitation science. And I knew I outgrew that place and I wanted a little bit more. So I moved up to another facility, a big uh, healthcare facility in a gym in Kalamazoo. And I was there for about five years, but I still wasn't getting what I needed, especially with student loans and all that stuff. And it, I wasn't I wasn't able to provide the service that I really wanted to my clients. So then I decided to start to venture out on my own slowly. And then uh, I, the gym, that gym actually closed on a Friday due to COVID. And I thought it was the perfect time to actually fully open up my own. And on that Monday, I was going to open it up and I was open for six hours before mm. the governor said I had to shut down. Yeah. So, yeah. And so the, the COVID piece plays its part. Everybody mm -hmm. that listens to this knows that it, it affected them in one way or another. You specifically, because we were trying to get off the ground that day and then weren't able to. And so mm -hmm. I would imagine financially that provides a bit of stress in that moment there for you. How was that time while things were shut down? What were you doing? Well, um, I did everything I could. So luckily, with everything I've done before, I, you had to hustle um, and you had to be creative. I enjoyed COVID because I think it made the places that were going to fail, they failed just quicker. Uh, the people that were 
able to adjust to the industry, they survived. So what I did was as soon as they shut down, uh, probably two days later, I went on Zooms. I started Zooming with people so I didn't lose those clientele. And I started just, it was just like a normal day, uh, just Zooming, training with them, whatever they had at their house. They didn't have any weights. We did what we could. And then about a month later, I started traveling to people's houses. We did all outside workouts. And then uh, about, I think it was like three months in, uh, the governor said we could start doing stuff outside. So every single day I brought uh, weights outside so people could work out outside and then bring it back in every single day. And it's freaking hottest summer ever. And once we could go back in, we went back in. But I actually, like financially, uh, like I knew that this was the right move because I made more money during 2020 than I did working my butt off at the other facilities. Good. Okay. So proof yeah. of concept is there, right? There's a, yeah. there's a demand for this. Once you were able to get into the facility of your own, when was that? Uh, that was six months, uh, five or six months after we shut down. Yeah. Then we could, yeah. uh, moved in. I was renting a space in the back of a CrossFit box. Uh, I was about, about seven, 800 square feet. And, um, I was actually renting his, most of his equipment. Um, at the time I didn't have really have anything I had. I started off with some empty kegs and like, uh, two pieces of equipment and it may be in another bar and a lot of it was Olympic and the CrossFit stuff. And then I slowly, but surely started building up my own. And by the end of the year, it didn't even look like the same gym. Yeah. And then another evolution down the road, we eventually got into a larger space. Mm-hmm. When, when did all of that take place? Well, I was, when the person I was renting from, I was actually going to buy that gym from him. I was going to buy the entire CrossFit gym from him. And then it just didn't work out. So I decided to, I needed to get my own space. So then I was there for a little over a year and a half. And then I just moved into this new facility, uh, November, 2021. Got it. So many different iterations of this business over the years, as you look back on the time after you made the leap to be independent and running your own business. Talk to us about two sides of the coin here. What's been the best part about being a business owner on your own and what's been the most challenging part? The best part is I get to be creative and do everything I always wanted. I mean, this was literally a dream of mine since, I mean, forever. So like, it's, it's still, weird because it came true that it's that it, this still doesn't seem real um but like i enjoy clean i enjoy doing all those weird little things because it's mine it's what i worked for it's what i've built i think the hardest part is i'm i like i don't like upsetting people and i don't like people not being happy so mm. the uh lesson of you won't make be able to make everyone happy that's the hardest part that's a tough me. one in our space yeah yeah because yeah, i try i do try my best and I, I try not to let it get me down anymore but it still creeps in there a little bit yeah so i think many many people that find themselves called to fitness as a profession do so because in their heart they want to help people and that sort of contradicts you know that we can't help everybody but fitness people have a really hard time with that if we want this noble like this this noble element of i want to change as many lives as possible but it's just not realistic yeah given the time constraints that we have 
I want to, I want to hear a little bit about your perspective in terms of how you found people to join as members or as personal training clients along the way. What's been, what's been successful for you to find some people and what would you maybe not recommend to other gym owners to spend some time or some money on? Um, I mean, the biggest thing that I did was I networked. I just talked to every single person. Luckily the gym I used to be at was probably the, it was, it's the largest gym in the area as in a facility. And it had all the big wigs in town. So anybody you wanted to know, anybody that owned a business, anybody that who was somebody, they all were um, at that uh, gym. So I made sure I kept the rapport with them. That was the biggest thing. Um, and when I opened this gym up, it was a niche. Um, it was a gym where a lot of people are scared to bring these types of people in because they're proud of there's some straw man because they're used to the old school way of thinking is they break everything you know they're uh, meatheads blah 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 and it's not true anymore but people were scared to go in there and i think the biggest difference why people come here is they know i care about the facility they know i care about the stuff i i um about the equipment i bring in and what i do and a lot of gym owners around town and just in general, they don't care. They don't care about the members. They don't care about the equipment. They don't, and it shows. And uh, I also made it so this facility is safe or right? people to feel safe, which mm -hmm. again, they don't get at a lot of places. Yeah. And so first and foremost, before any kind of marketing strategy, we wanted to make sure that we're putting out a quality product, right? That we're proud of talking about and that people are willing to, to share mm -hmm. with, with friends, family. Have you in your time as an independent business owner, have you put any kind of money into advertising or has this been entirely organic growth thus far? I put in probably forty dollars towards advertising <laughs> yeah. yeah but that's why one big reason i actually started hosting a powerlifting meets is we and strongman meets is that advertising is i mean technically international right so like you put it on a website and you can have people come to your gym to powerlift or anything like that and the meet director uh posts about your gym and then it just spreads so that is one way i did it um and and it worked. I've had people from, I mean, the furthest they've flown is from, I think, California. I had people from Canada come and compete and stuff like that. So the name of the gym gets out there and I didn't have to do anything except for host a meet. Yeah. And so more what we would call event style marketing, yeah. but having something to direct people to, and then the business naturally grows from there. Mm -hmm. Beyond that here, Jeremy, I want to, I want to pick your brain on the sales and the sign-up process of this yeah. for, for somebody who's interested, they know about the gym looking to come and train in some capacity. What, what happens? What are the steps involved for that person to actually become a member here? Um, I just have, I set up a time um, for them to come meet me. I tour the gym and I tell them what we can do, what we're about, tell them the prices and that's it. I don't do, I used to do the big sales gimmick when I first started. I don't do that anymore. Um, I don't waste my time with it. Uh, I know what my product is and I've been in the game long enough to where I can pick and choose which clientele I want. 
So I'm not going to put forth effort with somebody that's going to be flaky because I just don't want to do that anymore. At the beginning of my career, I would do that, but that's not where I am currently. Yeah. When so things start, I, we just need to get anybody. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, you just, I would work 80 hours and have like, you know, 10, 20 people a week, you know, it wasn't many, but now like if, I don't, I don't sugarcoat anything like this is what I do. This is how we do it. I don't have contracts. I want you to be here because you want to be here. I do 24 seven access and I just, I'm just real with them. Like it's very simple and straightforward. Yeah. I want you, I want you to be here because you want to be here. These are the things I offer and I, I don't sugarcoat anything and I don't fluff anything up. I don't make it so like if you sign up for this, like this is the base level. And then like, Oh, you spend another extra money. You get this. Like, I don't do that type of stuff because then people get a bad relationship with the gym. They don't want to come to the gym. They think that if they come talk to me, I'm just going to try to sell them something. And that's not what I'm about. Yeah. I think it's unfortunate that our industry has that sort of reputation. You know, you've spent time at other facilities and have seen different examples, but I find that the average buyer, the potential client is sort of numb to those things at this point. It doesn't do much to help whether they're going to sign up or not to, to gimmick our way through that process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's people see through it. People can sniff out bullshit for lack of mm -hmm. a better term. They can. And so I think what I hear when you describe your sales process is authenticity. It's mm -hmm. genuine, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what we do. Here's how I believe it can help you. If all of that sounds great, here's how it works, yep. you know, and there's no ambiguity involved in that. Yeah, exactly. Beyond that, Jeremy, somebody signs up. What is, what is impacting how long that person stays? What do you focus on to retain members for the long haul? Um, I guess it depends. Uh, some people are, since again, this is a niche gym. So like it's all strength athletes and it's just people wanting to lift. So one thing that does maintain people is simply the equipment I have. Like no other gym has this, the stuff I have as in like calibrated plates, actual power bars, squat bars, deadlift bars, stuff like that, or any kind of strongman stuff. No other gym has that. Um, they can't, and a lot of gyms can't be they're not allowed to be themselves. They can't listen to the music they want. They can't laugh. They can't do a bunch of stuff they want to do. There's a gym in town. They can't use chalk. So everyone comes here. They use chalk. Chalk gets everywhere. It doesn't matter. It's just chalk. But those are some of the things that maintain people. But one thing I do is making sure whenever somebody comes in, I say, hi, uh, I'm awful with names, but I try to learn everyone's names. Um, and then when I'm leaving, no matter even if I'm in the front, everyone's in the back, I go around and say goodbye to everyone and try to keep rapport. And one big thing I also do is when somebody's new, I introduce them to whoever's in the gym currently, like whoever's working out. So then already they have some camaraderie. They know mm -hmm. somebody already rather than stepping in for the first time and not knowing anybody. And then they can talk, they feel more comfortable, and then it grows. Everyone in the gym talks to each other. You know, and it becomes a culture, it becomes um, a plate, a community, somewhere you want to go. Yeah. Zoom out on all of this for a minute. I mean, we talked a bit about how the whole thing got started and, and what it looks like today, but paint me a picture of of the future of raw strength in your mind. Where is this whole thing going? 
Um, the future is I'm going to own my own facility and still have a membership cap, but I want to have a facility where it's gym and where it's a comp only area. And with that, um, the comp only area, I'll be able to host um, any kind of competition pretty much every single weekend without um, hurting the gym and uh, um, messing with the members. Uh, I would like to host all the state meets for every federation uh, in uh, for Michigan and host and direct some of the biggest uh, strongman meets in the Midwest. I love the sound of all of that. And, and anybody that's spent time in our industry knows that saying things and doing things are a big difference. Obviously you've proved that getting to this point is, is viable. Mm -hmm. What needs to happen to go from where we are today to having that, that grander location in your mind? Uh, money. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> okay. Fair straightforward enough. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. I just, I, if I had the money, I'd be, I'd have it right now. But the biggest thing is making sure I just have the proper steps in place to make that happen. So everything in my gym currently I own, I don't owe anyone anything. It's just, I own all this. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things to make sure I'm prepared for the future uh, is owning all my stuff. I'm making all the good connections and starting off running um, and hosting meets currently. Um, and Again, I go back to the networking. I network with the right people to tell me how to get to my goals. Uh, I'm not that smart of a guy, so I always go with smarter people and I ask them how to do something and they help me along the way. That's the biggest thing is just not being afraid to ask for help and taking people's advice. So I have a game plan. I know where I wanna go and it, I mean, really the only setback currently, I mean, as silly as it sounds, it really is money. If I had the money, I'd, I'd be there right now. It's, it's a reality of the industry mm -hmm. that we're in, but building a facility with that sort of size, with the equipment that you're looking to outfit it with, not cheap, No, not cheap not. at all. And so no. it's a, it's a brick by brick kind of process, but it is. we'll have to, we'll have to check in with you again in the future to see how all that shapes up. We're running a bit shy on time here, Jeremy, but I okay. want to save a minute or two for you to tell our listeners where they can learn more about raw strength. Is there a website or is there social media? How can people find out what, what you do? Yeah. So uh, we have a website, it's raw strength, uh, uh, net, And I also have uh, Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is where I post a lot of the stuff. I think that's where most people are. That's where the biggest traffic is, but it's raw strength Kzu. Uh, and you, I try to keep everything up to date on there. Um, finally found, uh, a better groove with social media. I really hated social media for a long time, but starting to find that uh, better relationship with it and posting a lot of stuff on there. I don't think you're alone in that, but <laughs> I think that's, that's sort of the nature of the beast. Anyway, yeah. Jeremy, this has been awesome, man. I, I genuinely appreciate anybody's perspective and, and what they think about from a business side of things when it comes to building these I'm excited to, to see what the timeline and, and what the execution looks like for you to get this new facility up and running. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate you joining us today, my man, and, and I wish you nothing but the best. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you are interested in joining us to talk about your business, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.